Hello and welcome to the Nefesh Sesh podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kathy. Nefesh, which is the title of our show, is an extension of a few of our favorite things that we like to do together as friends. We like to study the Bible together and learn as much as we can about how to become healthier humans so that we can better love the other humans in our lives. We invite you to join us as we learn and practice. The music in the background is from our friend Ben Strawn. Ben is an incredibly talented singer-songwriter out of Chattanooga. You can listen to Ben's music on your favorite streaming platform and go give him a follow on Instagram or Facebook at Ben Strawn Music. We're continuing our series on Enneagram types and friendship with Enneagram type twos today. We're talking with Brittany um, about what it's like to relate as an Enneagram type two. So we're so glad to have Brittany here. And Enneagram type twos are called the helper. Their orientation to time is the present. Their passion is pride. Their wings are one and three. Their need is to be loved. And insecurity, uh, when they're feeling secure, they're moving more towards like a type four. And this allows them to be focused inward and kind of care for their own uh, needs and identify their own feelings. And then in stress, they'll move towards a type eight. And this allows them to have more confidence and they start to become a little less worried about what other people think. Uh, And so it makes it easier for them to say no to things that aren't things that they um, need to do. Their lost childhood message is you are wanted. All right, so let's talk about pride. So pride here um, is, for the twos, is an inability or unwillingness of suffering while lending to the needs of someone else. So the pridefulness can, can come in when they're thinking that they don't have their own needs. And we all have needs. So um, I just want to kind of... Uh, talk a little bit about mistyping with twos because Southern women um, with younger children um, or Southern women, period, um, can sometimes commonly mistype as a two because they're involved so much in caregiving and it's just the the proper thing to do to be a helper in the South. So um, it's women can often mistype. Lots of eights will often mistype as twos. So uh, just so our listeners are aware of that, unfortunately, there are less male twos in the world, or perhaps I'd like to pose this question, is there possibly a stigma around being a male type two? Is that why there are less? So people, it's interesting because people will naturally tell the type two stuff, anything. It's almost like you have a help here sign. Um, type twos can be flattering and they're always seducing you at times. It can be a way of pulling you in in order to make them feel wanted. Uh, so that can be a little bit manipulative. They have the natural ability to empathize and feel your feelings. They will wear your feelings, but they may not feel their own feelings. For every type, not just twos, but especially for the type twos, twos should ask, ask yourselves, what is mine to do? Twos need a career with lots of personal contacts, and they don't necessarily want to be the out front person. They're comfortable in a supporting role, but they love to be at the center, and they do like to get credit for what they do. Don't we all? 
They're great thinkers in a group and are very accepting of people and they truly love people for who they are and are deeply relational. We love the type twos. And it's just so nice to learn about the Enneagram over and over again and deep more deeply because we get an inside out view of our people and it just brings so much compassion to our relationships. So Brittany, tell us about what you do and um, what, how you're, how you, how's your life right now? So uh, my name is Brittany and um, a little bit about uh, what I do. I'm a, I'm a full-time high school chemistry teacher and uh, I teach in a rural county high school where I also serve as an instructional coach. Um, so I spend a lot of time with a lot of people. Uh, I enjoy building those relationships with my teenage students and uh, building relationships with my colleagues as an instructional coach. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, feel like I'm in that helper role in my in my career. Um, and I'm also a part time grad student. I'm working on a Ph.D. in exceptional learning, and I hope to graduate in May of 22. Woohoo! Yay! Um, and uh, I am a, a wife. I think I would say I'm still a newlywed. I'm just a little over one year in. Um, I don't have any children, but I do have a wonderful three year old nephew. Um, and we adore him and we have another nephew on the way. So well, that's exciting. We're, we're excited. Yeah. That's great. So you, so tell us about your classroom situation right now. <gasps> um, it's a little chaotic. Um, I think it's a little bit of, uh, unknown, still right now, not knowing what the schedule is going to be like if, or, you know, are, are we going to be having kids in the classroom? Are we going to be fully remote? Um, and that changes depending on the situation. Um, so, you know, we, we have taught kids in the classroom and kids remotely at the same time. Uh, and we've also gone fully remote a few times throughout the school year based on, you know, um, community spread and things like that, trying to keep everybody safe. Um, so I am using a lot of technology and I used some technology before, but now integrating it quite a bit more, learning new tools. Um, yeah, that's kind of what the classroom situation is like right now. I miss, I miss my students. I, I miss that face-to-face contact with them, um, getting to talk with them in person, um, seeing, you know, them, them get something and smile and interact with each other. I do miss that quite a bit. Have you put anything in place to try to kind of mitigate that? Like, are you reaching out to other colleagues or are you just kind of like, I'm sitting in this. This is the way it is right now. How does that feel? Um, it feels lonely and it is kind of, um, especially in, in the time where we're fully remote, we, we report to work, but we kind of go our separate ways and we're in our classrooms on our own, uh, as teachers kind of grading or preparing lessons and things like that. And I do interact with my students a little bit through, um, a, 
uh, chat messaging program that we have at school. Um, so that does allow for some contact um, through, you know, um, Google Meet chats where I can work with a student if I need to. Um, and colleagues, you know, we, we speak in passing or talk about what's going well or if we need help with something, we do, we do talk with each other. Um, but it's still, you know, most of the day feels kind of distanced, lonely right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not what you signed up for. I, I have thought that to myself a couple times. Yeah. Throughout the year. Yeah. I don't think educators necessarily, that's one of the things, they're very communal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you always have people around you all the time in the classroom. Yes. And yes. so you looked forward to those planning times or prep mm -hmm. times. <laughs> but now, yeah, I know that's hard. Yeah, it's kind of eerie going into an empty building every day. It's like the life's just been like, it's like a vacuum almost. I feel that. I can I can feel that in my body, like not getting, I get a lot of life from students being there and interacting with them. I feel like that's really life-giving. So mm -hmm. it can be draining at times, but um, it can also be really life-giving. And it's even when you're connecting over a screen, it's it's not the same. <laughs> it's like they, I think we really do put off so much energy. Like when we're together, there's, I think that I've learned that this year, there's really, there really is like an energy exchange going on when you're in person with people. And that just doesn't, we can't manufacture that in a screen. So it's hard on everybody. I completely <laughs> agree with that. I definitely feel that I feed off the kids energy and it makes it makes my lessons better. I know that it does. And so I just I feel like I'm missing that that component of of teaching through virtual means rather than in person. Yeah, because there's no feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, and that makes it, it how do you how do you assess, you know, if if you're doing a good job? I, I mean, a lot of times you can gauge that by your kids' faces or, you know, what they're saying or questions they're asking. And, yeah. I got us really off topic. That's okay. We'll go ahead and switch gears. I mean, listen, we need, I think we all need a little bit of th a therapy session. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so uh, how did you find the Enneagram, Brittany? Um, so I had never heard of the Enneagram until I was asked as part of my instructional coaching duties to present information about it to the teachers at my school. Um, we were asked to do this in order to better understand ourselves and our students and our colleagues um, and give us a way to kind of relate to each other. Um, and I have taken a few of the free online Enneagram test since then. And, and it doesn't matter which test I take. It seems that it always comes out that I'm a two. Um, and I, I, I do, after reading about it, because they say, I've heard lots of people say, you know, you're supposed to read about it. Don't just take the test at its, at its word. And um, reading into the, the traits of an Enneagram too, I definitely feel it fits my personality and values. Um, I'm definitely an interpersonal type of person. I love interacting with people, being with people, um, helping in any way I can. Um, and I think that's 
the part of my personality that led me to become a teacher uh, and leads me to want to, you know, try to become an instructional coach or lead a professional development session or something like that. It gives me the opportunity to help all the time. Uh, and I, I, you know, I consider myself to be a people pleaser and have a, have a hard time saying no <laughs> when I'm asked to take on a task. And, and I, I don't know, I just feel like the more I read into it, the more I feel like it definitely, um, the, the texts that I read definitely express what I feel a lot of times. And, and it's kind of helpful to read about it because, you know, I know I feel a certain way, um, but being able to verbalize, you know, my thoughts and feelings about something, um, I feel like reading about my uh, Enneagram type has kind of helped me sort through that. Yeah, it's almost like the, in, in a way that music or other art or, you know, um, things that that can do that for us, almost like communicate what we didn't know we were feeling. Um, I have felt that way about the Enneagram, too. Um, so that's interesting that so two was kind of the first that you landed on. And yeah, because a lot of us mistype at first. Um, so that's interesting that you kind of. um targeted that and then just confirmed that through your research later. So um, your wings are one and three. Is there one of those that you feel like you kind of tend to lean on more than the other? I, th I think that my three wing is more dominant because I definitely see those achiever traits in myself the, that um, being as academically driven as I am um, and my desire to succeed academically and socially. And um, I've, I've always been really driven to set and achieve goals. And, and I think that that one definitely speaks to me a lot. Um, but I do see my one wing peek through, especially that perfectionist component of, of being a one. Um, yeah. I feel like you're up. so thorough about things. Oh, thanks. And I, th I think that's that one wing. You're mm -hmm. very thorough about the way that you do things, which is great for your job and <laughs> what you teach. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely, when we were kind of, when I, when I was thinking about um, us getting together and having this conversation, I thought, I, I bet she's going to say three because I totally see that in you, that drivenness too. So Brittany, what do you value most in relationships? As a type two, what do you value most? And go ahead and answer that question. And then I kind of have an impromptu question after that. But Okay. Um, I really value being needed and appreciated. And if I don't feel like I'm needed in a way, um, it almost feels like a rejection to me. So feeling that... Um, that I'm needed or that I can help, I think is important to me in a relationship. Um, and I, I really, I really like to have someone as a confidant, um, being able to confide in one another and be close to one another mentally and emotionally. I really like, I really appreciate that in relationships. I like to talk about how I feel 
And I like to listen to other people talk about the way they feel. So that that openness to be able to confide, but also, you know, a closeness that way. I don't know if I answered that. No, that's that's perfect. Um, you talked earlier about that you love to help. Mm-hmm. Do you think sometimes that you're taken advantage of because of that? Yes. And I have thought that um, before. Uh, I can't think of a specific instance right now. Um, but yes, I do. Um, I think that because I am so eager to help and eager to be warm toward other people, especially meeting new people that don't know me, <laughs> um, I, I tend to feel let down sometimes um, because the warmness is not immediately returned. And I, I kind of expect that, you know, I want Mm -hmm. that, uh, warmness to be returned and them to be just as excited to meet me as I am to be excited to meet them. And, um, so yeah, I do, I do feel like I'm taken advantage of in situations or, um, take on too much sometimes in situations, um, and, you know, find myself let down sometimes in, in, in moments like that or meeting new people, And what does that feel like? Like, does it feel like disappointment whenever um, someone maybe doesn't appreciate or because for me, um, I'm a nine and I want to feel that way. And I think nines go to anger whenever um, we don't Mm -hmm. feel appreciated. So I just wonder what what that feels like. You. I think it feels like disappointment. I think I think you nailed it with disappointment. Emptiness feels kind of empty, like something should be mm-hmm. filling that space, but there's nothing filling that space. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, so that doesn't happen, right? Because naturally, just in relationships, some people don't fulfill that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you deal with that then? I think every situation and person is unique. So I kind of have to feel it out a little bit, but I would say that I do that by um, continuing to return with warmth or um, acceptance and and happiness um, and you know, sometimes I have to tell myself like back off a little bit. Maybe they need a little space. Um, Maybe they need to get to know me a little bit better before they can, you know, return the same level of warmth or happiness or. Well, and, I, you know, I think y'all have twos have such a big heart that it's like it's almost hard to return um, at the same, not the same level, but at the same um, intensity, intensity that you're giving, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine that that would feel confusing maybe um like I've opened myself mm-hmm. to you this much and you know do you love me because I'm only getting this much and you know I could imagine that that could that could feel difficult so you mentioned before we got on that your husband's a, a type nine is that right he is yes so I wonder what that um dynamic is like uh, um 
as far as like feeling like I would think that you both kind of understand that need to feel like appreciated by the other and built up by the other. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes, I, I think I think that you. You definitely uh, nailed it when saying I think that we have to work at it and talk about it um, and, you know, ex- express to each other um, how we need to feel appreciated. Um, if it's a talking and listening thing, or if it's a help, uh, help me with this chore or something like that. Um, I think, I think sometimes I'm so eager to help that he has to let me help for me to, you know, with, even if it's just a task around the house, something simple, I'm so eager to help that sometimes he has to kind of let, let down a little bit of his garden, let me help him with something. And I think it's because he knows that I need to do that. <laughs> so um, that's, that's kind of an interesting, interesting dynamic. Yeah, that's great, though, that you guys have kind of set that up. It sounds like that communication to be able to, to meet kind of that need a little bit in each other. And it, do- it doesn't happen immediately. Like we, we have to talk about it and, and kind of build it over time. Because the motivation for that is different. The motivation for craving that love is different for the nines and the twos. Yeah, so nines want to be, they want a confirmation that it's important that they're that we're there. Um, so when you were talking about earlier signing up to help with things, I think I do that when I'm new to a space. So like when I first started teaching, um, I felt like I needed to be involved in a ton of things in order to make myself feel like in order to prove that it mattered that I was there. Does that make sense? Um, And so it's like, I think twos and nines can have some similar behavior sometimes, but for different reasons. Yeah. That's a common mistype too, is twos and nines. Okay. So, uh, talked about in previous shows uh, Aristotle's three categories of of friendship and those are utility friends pleasure friends and then perfect and good friends for you Brittany which kind of category of those do you feel like fits your season of life right now um so this was a really interesting this is a really interesting question to me um because I I see where all three types of friends fit into my life right now um so I'm in, I'm in my late twenties. Uh, so I'm kind of a, I feel like uh, I'm kind of scatterbrained. Like I've got a lot going on right now. And so I feel like I need all three types of these friends right now. Um, and, uh, I desire those lifelong, really close friendships, but I find that they are extremely difficult for me to find. Um, and why is that before you move uh, on? Why, why, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's me trying to be friends with everybody that prevents me from having, you know, those few really, really close friends that, you know, you sh- share everything with, you know, or, um, Maybe I just haven't found the right friend yet. Close, really close friends yet. 
Um, I think that's common for twos based on what I've learned is that you kind of have a set amount of energy maybe and that's almost spread across so many relationships that it's hard it's it might be more difficult for a two at first to yeah really put um kind of because you probably feel I can't speak for you maybe you feel like you're neglecting those other relationships if you pour more into one than the other um I don't know I I think I can relate to that statement a little bit yeah so twos are very communal right so sometimes in in that communal situation for some people you can have several different close friends that you kind of share with you you remember a few years ago when they started up the whole tribe you remember the girl tribes do y'all remember that it was like you know get your tribe yes. you know this is my tribe you know all that I kind of forgot that we hadn't like that that wasn't a thing <laughs> like now that you say that I'm like oh yeah that yeah. was a thing but I don't ever remember us like yeah. moving away from that yeah <laughs> kind of faddish but not I mean really because if you think about you know uh, in earlier times, that's kind of how women were. I mean, either like if you lived on, on, well, like in farms or in rural, I, you know, just all sorts of spaces I can think about where um, women were interacting with each, with each other and maybe that's all they had. And so those that group of women served as utility friends, you know, perfect and good friends and all of those things. So I think sometimes as women, we think, oh, we need that one person that has to be that one, you know, we feel like that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, I don't know. And and that's different for everybody. And I can't say that that's specific to any Enneagram type either. But I just know for certain that twos are very communal. So maybe that's a possibility of a reason why, but you may still crave and want that one-on-one kind of relationship, Brittany. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I had in mind when, when I read that. And I do, and that's not to say that I don't have good friends because I do have good friends that I've had for an extended period of time, but. Disclaimer for Brittany's friends. That's right. (laughs) You are my friend. I do love you. Um, I'm just, you know, I guess when I read that, I was thinking like that, that one good childhood friend that you've had that you've had all the way through life and you share everything together I don't I don't really know that I have that in you know just a girlfriend Um, my sister is probably the closest thing I have um, to that uh, stretching all the way back into childhood and um, really really Josh is um, my husband is uh, probably the friend that I would consider my perfect or good friend. Um, and we've known each other, I guess about, we've known each other longer than this, but mm, well for four or five years, somewhere in there. Uh, so, so we've not lo- known each other my whole life or anything, but we do have, we share that unconditional friendship. Uh, we're going to be there for each other for the long haul. So, um, we do kind of share that, that love and trust. And so that's, that's the one I would consider my perfect good friend. Um, So you mentioned um, 
a couple times having like that friend from childhood. Is that something that you desire? Because I have my own like perspective on this, uh, but I want to hear yours first. Is that something that you desired? Is that something that you felt like you needed or should have? I think both. Yeah, I think both. Um, I think that is something that I desire. Um, something that I wish I had, but I just don't that I know of right now. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, I think for a long time I had borderline shame about not having that, like somebody that I grew up with that I'm still like really close with. But like my reality was that that just, that just wasn't what happened for me. Um, And in fact, it took until college for me to really um, build good friendships with other women. Um, I did, you know, so I carried that for a long time of like, almost feeling like there was something wrong or, you know, uh, because I didn't have that like person that, you know, that from, you know, kindergarten and we're still best friends. Um, So I don't think that, I think that's kind of like the storybook um, thing, but that's just not reality. Like I know very few people that that's actually reality for. Um, And heck, if I limited like my options for like my perfect and good friend to only the people that I like went to grade school with, Mm -hmm. um, I would have missed out on so much, you know? So I think it can look different for everybody. And I, I, I can relate to that. And and maybe that maybe that's some element of that that one wing that's like peeking out, like that perfectionist thing, like feeling like I'm supposed to have like this per- perfect friend circle or group of friends or or you know, like that I've had since I was like three and you know, like that storybook um friendship that you talked about. But you know, I I feel more confident in myself now at this age. And I know who I am a little better that, you know, maybe it took the changes and growing that I've been through, you know, to, to establish those deeper relationships. And just like you said, Amy, um, you know, I've, I've established deeper relationships with girlfriends now in my life. Um, you know, early, early in my career and things like that, then I was able to, it felt like earlier on. Um, so I, I, I can relate to you in, in saying that for sure. I definitely have stronger girlfriend relationships now than, than I did when I was younger, I think. So in talking about those other relationships, um, even though we're not supposed to type other people, but maybe, you know, some of your friends types, um, do you tend that you find that you get along easier with some Enneagram types than others? Um, I, I, I feel like, um, most of my friends are twos and threes. Um, I think from what I know about others, (laughs) um, And I do find that um, it's pretty easy to get along with a nine um, and uh, ones. Um, 
So I guess, I guess my wings, I, I've, I've got that, that chunk that I can really relate to someone who, uh, you know, is one of the, the wing tops. Um, that's, but I feel like, I don't know, I don't necessarily ask everybody I know what Enneagram type they have, but the ones that I'm close enough to share with most of the time, they're nines, ones, or threes, most of the time. So before the show, we had you take a spiritual gift survey. So you've already shown us that. Um, But if you want to talk about those areas a little bit and how you think those correlate with your type two. So my, my top three were teaching, compassion, and wisdom. And I, I definitely see teaching and compassion correlating with my personality. Um, I'm not sure how wisdom fits in. And, and I, I think maybe it's just I don't see myself as a wise Person, oh, just, but you are so wise. <laughs> I just, I just use what I think I know to try to help people. So I, I'm, I don't feel as confident about the wisdom uh, element. Um, but you know, the the, the teaching, um, of course, that's that's what I do for a living, and and I love it, and I feel like that correlates very well with the top two because we get to be around people all the time and help people all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy teaching, um, the occasional Bible camp class or vacation Bible mm-hmm. school class or Bible, just a Bible school class on a, on a Wednesday night or something like that to, to younger children and, um, enjoy participating and, women's Bible study groups where we get to kind of lead and talk and help each other learn and grow. Um, so I, I definitely see how teaching fits in with my tattoo top two top and compassion, um, gives me an opportunity to think about how others feel and help each other or help others. And, um, it moves me to be giving and loving, um, because I can kind of relate to, or, think I can relate to how other people feel. Um, and, uh, it kind of gives me an opportunity to, you know, uh, motivates me to donate clothing or cook a meal for a family or, uh, participate in a work camp or Bible camp or give of my time to a group or an organization or somebody in need. Um, and so I think that that lines up with my, um, type two personality that the compassion serves as like a motivator for how I can help, um, help others. Yeah. And I think when I've spoken to you, um, about your classroom, I think you're so in tune with how your students are feeling and what they're walking through at the time. And, you know, and you really, um, I just, I think when you said all three of those, I thought, what a perfect combination for, um, for your job, um, the three of those, because that's every, you know, that's, that's what students need. And, um, what a gift that we have you teaching our kids. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to add that you're so warm and very inviting, um, and calm 
which are all really three great traits to have for any relationships, whether they be with students or, you know, your colleagues or friends or, or who, whomever. Um, and that's just like three adjectives that I can just think of for you um, when I'm communicating with you or, you know, ever since I've, I've known you. Thank you. That's very kind. Well, I mean it. (laughs) All right. So tell us, how have you been brave or courageous lately? I mean, I know you've done, (laughs) you're working on your PhD. That's pretty brave and grueling. Um, But what else? Um, That's, that's kind of one that's been in progress. Um, So I, you know, the PhD, I took an advanced regression class this fall and was terrified to take it. Um, But it ended up being Mm. such a great class because I feel like I learned so much. Um, And so, you know, that, that definitely has been something that I've had to really dig deep uh, and be courageous about. But I think that, that teaching during this pandemic has been, it's, it's really I I think the reason that it's made me have to be, I've had to be brave and courageous and try new things and, um, you know, make the difficult emails and phone calls to parents or, um, you know, try new lesson techniques that, you know, you get into a, a system where, you know, you're using the same lesson plan two or three years in a row. Um, and now, I've had to completely change, you know, this this activity that I love to do with my students in person, but I can't. How do I translate that online and then step out and try something new um, or, or try a different tool? Um, so I feel like that has, has definitely been something that's pushed me to be courageous or brave lately. Yeah. How in the world do you teach chemistry virtually? Just think about that question. Um, you know, I just I think about our listeners that are parents or or other teachers or are not in the educational field and um, have most likely taken chemistry or know someone who has. How do you do that virtually? You know, that's that's a little crazy. And and, and Brittany, you know, not only are you trying on all that yourself you're also synchronously leading your colleagues while doing that. So I'm sure there's a certain amount of pressure that you feel um, to try on all these different things, right? So that you can share them with others and, oh, that doesn't really work well, or, oh, that does work well, or that's, do you feel a lot of pressure around that? I do. Um just trying to be knowledgeable about the tools that I know my colleagues are using um, and at least being able to have an opinion about something does work well or something doesn't work well, or, Hey, try this uh, different thing for whatever purpose they're, they're asking about. Um, So yeah, I do. I I feel pressure um, from uh, just, you know, to be prepared, be ready to help my colleagues when they come to me with a question in that instructional coach capacity. 
and and to help to help the kids too you know there's a pressure to be knowledgeable about how a tool works because what if they can't log in or what if their screen doesn't load correctly or something like that so it's it it is it is a lot of pressure to to step out and try something new um in this in this situation have you found that people have come to you for kind of um some emotional support during working during this pandemic yes Yes. Um, sometimes it's just a, I think it comes from a need to, to just interact with somebody else. You know, I was talking earlier about feeling kind of lonely. Um, you know, colleagues will stop by and ask, you know, how's your day? Or um, it, it may start with a, hey, can you help me with this tech thing? And then it ends up in a conversation about, um, a uh, work relationship or um, talking about things going on with family or who's healthy and um, thinking about those who aren't healthy right now. Um, you know, it's, and, and I think it's, I invite it. Mm. I want that. I want, I want to talk to my colleagues about how they're doing and, you know, again, circling back, can I help you in any way, you know, and, and for, for my colleagues, you know, I want to just, I want to be there for them if they need to talk about something and um, be uh, a listening ear. Um, Cause it's, it's tough right now um, to, to navigate this interesting time we're living in. Well, you know, not only are we navigating work we're navigating home we're navigating the community we're navigating the grocery store we're navigating church we're navigating absolutely every space that we have encompassed before and we have to navigate in a whole new way and we don't have a map yeah not only that but our our rhythms are so like things that I think would normally kind of keep us level, at least for me, I'm so much about kind of like a routine and knowing what to expect of like when church is not meeting in person, you know, that's something that's really life giving for me. And so it's like when you're having to make decisions about those things in your life that um, just should be (laughs) normal and things that fill us up or or people and being able to get, not being able to be with friends because somebody's quarantined or somebody's mm-hmm. sick or you know all these different reasons and it's like not only are we dealing with the stress of a pandemic and everything that this year has held but we're also not being able to be filled up like we normally would and so i honestly some days i'm like i don't even know how we all haven't just kind of shut down <laughs> you know um i don't know how people are and I know there's got to be people that are, you know, really having a hard time just making it day to day. And uh, that breaks my heart because I, I have felt that in mm-hmm. spurts. And I thought, man, I don't know how we're even functioning, you know, as a group right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and Brittany, I'm in the feeling triad, too. And I know for for us, sometimes we don't feel immediately We'll feel what other pe- other people feel, but we won't feel what we feel. And so my theory is, is that when we come out of this, those in the feeling tri- triad will really crash hard. 
<laughs> because it's going to be like, how in the world did we do that? What, you know, what just happened? Yes. And I think that it took a long time for it to really set in for me. Um, just the weight of I get up, I get ready, I go to school and I sit in my empty classroom all day where these kids are supposed to be. And it took a long mm -hmm. time for that to register mm -hmm. with me how much I miss them and how much I crave that interaction with people and watching them grow and learn. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think, I think I was trying to feel what everybody else was feeling in the beginning. Um, but then when I had that, that time alone to just think, uh, you know, to myself, how do I feel about this? It, 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 it just took a while to set in with me about how I feel about it. Do you have to like make that a practice to, to get alone? Like, I would imagine that would be really hard for it to, to get alone in order to kind of access those feelings, like your own feelings. Here's, here's part B of that question. Does it feel confusing distinguishing between, you talked about like feeling what other people were feeling. Does it feel difficult to distinguish between, oh, this is what everyone around me feels, but versus this is how I feel? Sometimes. And, um, I think like Kathy said, you know, like the, there may be a moment where, you know, I'm interacting with other people and I'm trying to listen to what they're saying and trying to empathize with them or sympathize with them. And sometimes it is afterward, after I've gone home from a day of school or um, when I'm trying to sit down to uh, work on an assignment um, that it really takes for something to register about how I feel about something. I think, I think I just need that digestion time or processing time to understand how I feel in a certain situation. Yeah. I think folks in the feeling triad almost have kind of a delayed feeling processing time and, you know, don't, please don't mistake that for like delayed processing and, you know, like cognitively, of course I do, but <laughs> you know, um, so, but I think just a delayed processing of feelings, um, because like you said, Brittany, it's almost like you're still chewing on it and then you have to swap. You just have to go through all of those systems in order to kind of pro just to process, which is okay. Uh, from what I've learned, um, that is great that we have people like that because they are great responders in a moment, like first responders in a moment. They can act and respond without getting all emotional about it in situations. So really, that's very, it, it's a gift um, for other people, but it's sometimes not a gift for the person that's, that's dealing with that. Yeah, when you said that earlier, Kathy, about like um, feeling triad folks kind of catching up later from all this, and I thought, you know, it's almost, I wonder, is that dynamic going to have to switch? Like, I feel like feeling triad folks, twos, threes, and fours maybe are carrying a lot of, in order to, to for, the, for us as a community to survive, you know, 
feeling triad folks are carrying and empathizing and feeling that right now. And so it's like, I wonder if on the other side of this, like we're going to need to care for two, three, you know, y'all because they won't (laughs) let you. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to try. (laughs) Funny. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It it will be interesting. I, I think, I do think, you know, in any situation that is traumatic and you have that climax and then I, I do think there is going to be a, a an element of that when this is all over and we're not in crisis mode because I, I honestly feel like we're in crisis mode. We are in crisis yeah, mode. That's a fact. Yes. I try to pretend we're not. Yes. Well, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to like just do the everyday and also be in crisis mode and not go insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to pretend that all of this is normal because it's not. Yeah. At all. Well, Brittany. I could talk with you for hours and just catch up. Um, so, uh, but we so appreciate you uh, being willing to to join us. And um, like Kathy said earlier, when I was thinking about you today, I thought what she said about you being so welcoming and what a gift that is um, for all of us. And we need to express that to you more, how much we appreciate that because we do. And it means a lot. I think especially in uh, your profession and anywhere that you are, that's that's really a gift to all of us. So thank you. Thank you for being willing to welcome us and uh, making the effort to do that. Um, so we appreciate you being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a lot of fun.